We're fortunate today to have Jacob Skinner on the podcast. Coach Skinner is the boys' head coach at Texas High School in Texarkana, Texas. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Shiloh Christian in Springdale, Arkansas. Coach Skinner has a great Twitter feed for coaches out there where I've learned a lot through his posts, both on offense and defense. Coach Skinner, thanks for talking some basketball with us. How's everything in Texas? Man, I, I appreciate you having me on. Anytime that I get to visit uh, about hoops, it's, been, it's a good day. It's a little rainy down here in Texarkana, uh, but it's a beautiful day to talk hoops just like any other day, and I'm looking forward to our visit. Well, we're going to focus primarily on defense today. You do some great stuff offensively, but we've been pretty heavily focused on, uh, on the offensive end, so we're going to talk some defense today. But first, can you give the listeners a feel for your overall philosophies when it comes to basketball and what you want your Texas Tiger hoops to be known for in regard to play? Sure. You know, I, I have been a head coach, and I'll just give you a little bit of background first. I've been a head coach for 10 years out of the 13 that I've been coaching. I'm 35 years old. I didn't serve as a GA on a basketball staff in college like a lot of high school coaches have. Uh, I played basketball for a guy uh, when I was in high school that, that pressed, and he actually had defense woven into the, to the butt of the shorts, right? But we, all we did was press. And if we gave up layup after layup after layup, like we were going to keep pressing. And so I've kind of gotten that learning lesson, that reference point. And then my first three years I spent as an assistant under a coach that was, was very conservative. And he was heavy, heavy play sets, uh, set calls, wanted to have control from the sideline. And so I've kind of got two different reference points, one that was overly, almost ambitiously aggressive at the cost of a lot of ineffective, inefficient, probably defensive statistics back then. And, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. But anyways, those are my two reference points. And uh, over the last 10 years, I've really tried to grow as a coach and try to catch up with the game, if you will. You know, it's not just a 2-3 zone anymore. It's not just man-to-man anymore. There's, there's all these different styles. Just the other day, it came across the, the hexagon defense. Like, what are we <laughs> talking about now? And so it's been a really good time for me over the quarantine. All that to say that uh, defense has been kind of one of the things that I've really hit on the last couple of, of months while we've been at home and uh, kind of snuck into the office a couple of times just to pull film and different things. But our team came from a, a man-to-man mentality. And really, when you start talking defense, if you're a man-to-man team, now some guys are all zone. Uh, but if you start talking man-to-man, you really kind of get into this. Are you a containment team or are you a pressure team? And I think containment teams, I mean, look, Virginia has done great things. Like, you know, they won a national championship. They were very containment-oriented. And then you see Texas Tech, who they played in the last time we watched a national championship game. Uh, since this year it was canceled, they were, they were heavy on pressure. And so as a coach, I think you really have to find your identity of, of which one of those you want to you wanna be. Uh, it's just like football. Do you want to be a blitzing team or are you going to play more preventative style of defense? It's just a matter of choice, what you're comfortable with. For us and for, for Jacob Skinner down here in Texarkana, we're a pressure team. And uh, we're going to get better and better. This was my first year back, like you said, to, to Texas High. And uh, we did some good things this year. But we want to get better and better at uh, disrupting. We, we, we want to disrupt uh, opponents as much as we can. I urge our listeners to go to your uh, Twitter Twitter feed because you've got some great stuff on there. But can you kind of give a, an overview of the key concepts in regard to the pressure man-to-man that you're, you're installing there? 
So what we want to do is, and I've got some notes written down here in front of me, but we really want to just apply pressure so that we disrupt, okay? We want to force the opponents into a lot of individual plays, uh, a little bit different than a pack line that's, that's really popular. Uh, it has been for a number of years, um, but we want, to, we want to disrupt. We want to force individual plays. We don't want you to be able to run your motion offense or your continuity ball screens and all these different – uh, offenses that are out there now, we don't want to allow that. We really want to disrupt, and, and we do that by, by a couple of things. And I'll just kind of list these off, and you can ask questions if you want. But we do what we, we want to disrupt the offensive flow. Offensively, we're heavy on flow. If we're not scored in transition, we don't call sets from the sideline. We get into a flow, and it sounds like a lot of the guests you've had on offense run that type of, uh, of conceptual style of offense. And so we want to be the inverse of that defensively. We want to disrupt the flow, the timing. We want to destroy spacing. We want to prevent ball reversals. We want to side the ball and condense the court. Uh, force individual plays, like I've said, reduce three-point attempts. Uh, you know, one of the big things right now going on in Twitter, just from the people that I follow and keep up with, is closeouts, you know, long and short closeouts and the choppy feed, and it, it, it really has kind of become a, a an old school versus new school, and there's somewhere in between, and, and then there's these nerdy guys, you know, that sit in the analytics offices, and so it really is. It's, it, it, it's really entertaining if you just kind of click on a – a couple of the threads and then of course we don't want to just you know rebound the basketball we want to dispossess it we want to we want to go create a turnover uh, we track deflections we track turnovers and so those are just a couple of the the things that we really want to do as far as our defensive defensive system goes I, I don't know if this is a good question or not, but it's just one that I kind of had looking over pressure man-to-man defense is the goal to speed the other team up so that they have to make a quick decision that's hopefully bad or is it to eliminate the decisions so that the ball stays in the hands of one offensive player? I think you want to do it kind of the best of both worlds. And I know that that, that that becomes kind of a, well, you're not really answering my question, but I am answering your question. One of the videos that I've posted recently was actually a dribble count. And it was, a, it was clips of, uh, of South Carolina, Frank Martin's pressure man against South Carolina when they were playing Duke on their, on their run to the Final Four. And uh, it was a dribble count. And the only way you can force individual plays is by denying the next pass. And so it really becomes disruptive because you're putting the, the pressure on the guy dribbling the ball. You're, you're putting the pressure on him. And so most of the time, and I don't know, you know, different states have different shot clocks, but as far as pace goes, when you start disrupting, typically guys don't back up to half court and just start dribbling into almost a stall ball. Uh, most of the time they get into a frenzy, they get into a panic, they look over the sideline for a coach to help them out. They look for something, right? And then all of a sudden this, this, this kind of sporadic style of play comes in. And uh, that's when you see a lot of guys dribbling into shots, things like that. When it comes to the idea of defense as a disruptor that you brought up, where does this start and what are the goals of the pickup man? Because I'm guessing that that plays a pretty critical role, that pickup person. It absolutely does. And I think the pickup point really starts um, with where you're comfortable as a coach. So if you're comfortable as a full court man-to-man guy, then you're picking up 94 feet from the basket. If you're comfortable, if you've got great guys with great athleticism, I really think it's kind of contingent on the coach, number one, and what he feels comfortable with. But ultimately, the coach um, – you know, we, we see that we're only as comfortable as our, as our players' athleticism allows, right? Their athleticism and their intelligence allows. And so we don't want to overpressure the ball. I think that's a mis, 
misunderstanding of, of pressure man-to-man is that you just have to get up in the jock strap and forcing the dribble. You know, a lot of times the, the, the best defensive systems are the ones that deny the, 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 the one pass away past the best because now you take less ball pressure and you take more next pass pressure. And that really becomes a pillar of, of a defensive system, specifically what we're talking about with pressure. Our pickup point this year, most of the time, was just on the other side of half court. And as soon as we hit a pickup point, we want to immediately side the ball. So he has a two-way go. He has a, a full advantage of both sides. If he's, if he's you know, a two-way player, if he's a strong right-handed player, you know, I know that there's all the lock left mentality. We're going to lock left. We're going to take you left. We're going to keep you left. But if you can side him and you can condense the court, you've now – given the defense the advantage. As soon as you side the ball, and that ball is on the right side, left side of the, of the court, you're now playing three versus five or four versus five. You've got five defenders because in our, in our style of play, we're loading the helpline. Like we're always uh, on the line and up the line. And, and a lot of the clips, the Texas Techs, and these are, again, these are not Jacob Skinner, you know, philosophies. These are, hey, I like that. I'm going to steal that. We're going to do that. I think that's really, really good stuff. And so on the line and up the line is, I mean, Bob Huggins has done it the last couple of years with his pressure and, and at West Virginia, and it's really kind of gained some traction. And then you saw Baylor going no middle. The first thing we want to do is set a pickup point. The second thing we want to do is take them out of the middle. We want to take them down the what we call the rooftop. Okay. And the first time I heard the rooftop mentality, uh, or the rooftop angle in the, that stance, it was actually uh, Randy Sherman. He runs Radius Athletics, and he's over in Dallas. And uh, Randy's been a really good mentor for uh, of mine for about a year and a half. And uh, I can always send him a, a text or a chat about a, a question that I've got about pressure man. But he he doesn't just study pressure man. He studies a lot of different things. So not to name drop too many guys in this conversation, but but Randy does a really, really good job with some of that. And uh, he described it as the rooftop. And I know he's got a lot of fast model material out there. But your, your rooftop, you want to angle that guy to your sideline checkpoints. And so you've ultimately got a sideline checkpoint, a uh, corner checkpoint, and a baseline checkpoint. And so you're always taking them to the next one. Now, for, for coaches that would ever try to, you know, implement this as a year one, I would encourage them cutting tennis balls in half or putting small cones out there. So you would have the free throw line extended out of bounds. You would have literally where the sideline and baseline meet out of bounds. And then you would have that short corner about halfway from the lane line to the corner, to the three-point line uh, right there. And so contention on where the ball is, that determines your stance, right? So if the ball has been dribbled across half court, our pickup point has been established. We're going to now rooftop angle him to the nearest checkpoint. What's the first checkpoint below us? And so if he's at – I, I know most basketball courts have a volleyball line. So if he dribbles across, he's at that six-foot line, the spike line. We're going to take him free throw line extended. We're not letting him come across our chest. We're going to high half him, play on his inside half, and we're going to take him to free throw line extended. If there was somehow a wing entry and they catch it at free throw line extended, well, now our stance is going to take him to the corner. And if for somehow, some, somehow some way that the ball got to the corner, now we're going to take him down to the baseline that comes into the baseline push uh, that, that kind of is complimentary for our sideline, uh, our forced sideline mentality there. But really it starts with a pickup point. It starts with stance. You've got to rooftop him to the next checkpoint. And then when you get him sided, when you condense the court, you're really playing a big advantage with your defense because of numbers.
Well, let's talk about the rest of the defense. Uh, my assistant coach, like if, if, if he could have his way, he always says, man, I wish we could just play with no help and, and just deny everything as uh, hard as we can and stuff like that. Is that what those off-the-ball defenders are doing? So on our off-ball defenders, our, our one-pass-away guys, we've kind of got two different things as far as, as, as our, our off-the-ball guys. So if you are one-pass-away, the old-school shell drill, right? Like if you're one-pass-away from where the ball handler is, you are in a next position. You are, you are closed stance, on the line, up the line. We want to deny that option. Uh, if, if the ball was on the wing, we would full front the post player to get into a little bit of full – uh, to get into a little bit of post defense there. He is an, a viable threat for us. We're going to full front him, and then we're going to depend on the guys that are two, three passes away to be our helpline guys. And so everybody on the court, we, we, we dial it down, and we say there's three positions, right? Uh, I, in, in football, and I always tell our guys, because we're, we're at the high school level, and so we depend – and we're in Texas, by the way. <laughs> we depend on a lot of football guys. <laughs> Uh, when they come in, our football players come in, you know, right before the season or sometimes if they've made a deep playoff run, when they come in, the season's already started or it's, it's, it's about to start. And so we tell them when they come in, you're stepping into a simplistic style of play. Uh, we're, we don't have linebackers, DNs, D tackles, safeties, corner. Like, like we've got ball, next, and help. Like we've got three of them. And, and you've got to be great at all three. You've got to be able to guard the ball, take it down that rooftop. You've got to be able to deny the next pass, and you've got to be able to play that helpline. And so the two other positions that we would, we would refer to is simply, well, some people teach, you know, one foot inside the paint, two feet, completely on the midline on that help. If you're not one pass away, then you're in help. And you're, 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 you're keying on ball, but also being very cognitively aware of where your man is. As they say, good offense beats good defense. So what are the types of actions or situations that have given you trouble? You know, we, we see a lot of continuity offenses. You know, a lot, I think a lot of people, at least here down here in East Texas, uh, we see a lot of continuity basketball. Everybody wants to run patterned offenses. And so if you can disrupt that, you really have an advantage here in the, the, the part of the country that we play basketball in. We try to keep it again. We try to keep it really, really simple. So if it's a dribble handoff, if it's a ball screen, now we ice ball screens, but it's the same principle. We want to keep the ball sided. We get as high as we need to to make sure that that guy goes sideline instead of being able to use that ball screen. And then we switch it. So we 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 like to talk and we like to touch on every screen, every exchange, every uh, dribble handoff. Like I mentioned, we want to talk. We want to call it out. We want to touch so that there's no slips, and uh, then we then we take our guy. Uh, we we make the switch, and so for us, we had a six eight kid this year, but we switched everything. And if you if you look at some of those Texas Tech clips, there was a there's one floating around on my Twitter. Uh, of course, this was probably a couple of months ago, but you know they do a lot of different things on their ball screens. The drop coverage you saw, they ice the vast majority of everything, especially out there on the wings, but. Uh, we try to get again try to keep it pretty simple we want to switch everything and then try to get that ball out of the 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 attacking players hands and uh, then we once the ball has been passed off we try to switch back to our primary matchups on the help side this is a little bit off topic but it has to do with defense uh not pressure man to man but do these concepts kind of carry over to the times that you do play zone they do they do we still want to be you know we, we want our zone defenses to be 
a noticeable change. Okay, so we don't want to play zone and it still look like, man, they're still pressing the mess out of us or they're still pressuring us. You know, we want to come into every game, and this was a prior to the podcast, we talked about Mark Cassio down in South mm-hmm. Louisiana. And Mark's big on, you know, he's going to run his, his transition game and he's going to run and he's going to run and he's going to run and he's going to score on every chance he gets. And he's going to pass and cut and drive and kick until you play a team that takes that away. Like, we can't penetrate these guys. Like, these guys are defending too good. So, so then his mentality is he gets into a screening game. So defensively, we want to do the same thing. We want to take away and we want to pressure you. But if, man, if we're, if we're having a hard time, we want to go to what he calls the curveball, right? We want to go to the change-up pitch. Uh, we want to start with, every, with the fastball. Like our bread and butter is pressure man-to-man. And then if we uh, are having a hard time stopping players, they're breaking us down, one-on-one isolated plays, man, we've got to change it up and we've got to go to our zone mentality. But we teach everything off of that shell concept of, of are you on the ball, are you one pass away, or are you in a help stance and help uh, assignment there? Obviously, you don't want to give up dribble penetration. We're back to man-to-man now. But what are some of the players' responsibilities when this happens? So it was a, it was a cool deal. I, I hosted a Zoom a couple of months ago when, when quarantine first hit. It was probably maybe at the end of May. And uh, I had – over 100 coaches on there trying to get into the, 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 the Zoom meeting. And uh, it, was a, it was a pack line, and it was a pressure man-to-man. And I think it really tickled a lot of ears. And, uh, man, I think a lot of people were kind of concerned that it was clickbait because it was kind of a create defenses <laughs> that fit your own, right? Like, how can pack line and pressure man coexist? And uh, there was a guy up in New, uh, New York that had reached out, and we had connected on Twitter. And uh, we went back and forth, and he was a big believer in keeping everything outside. And then he had kind of a pack line mentality that he encased it with when the ball was in the middle. And so for that particular video, I broke down a lot of Virginia, the the championship game, Virginia and Texas Tech. And uh, anyways, once you look at it, every time somebody drove middle, it was like kryptonite. And I actually put on there, like, it doesn't matter what you're running. Like, if somebody's dribble penetrating the middle of your defense, like, that's your kryptonite. I mean, you are you, you don't stand a chance. But in the case of pressure man, if somebody does dribble middle, if they do make that middle drive, which that is a very viable option, and, again, it goes against what we're trying to do, uh, we send the guy in the paint. Uh, there's, you know, there's the old school high eye and low eye, very, very time-tested, You've got your fly switch options there from your high side eye. If it's a middle drive from the wing, you've got your stunt and your stay. Try to slow that down, let the guy recover. But the reality is, is what we try to do, and this is going to be something we put a point of emphasis on this year, is going to be our guy who is in, that guy who is the middle of the 2-3 zone, if you will. We are teaching him to step up and be as big as he can. Okay. Now, typically, that would be probably be a defender – you know, the four out one ends, most of them are sitting their post players on the, the weak side block or weak side short corner nowadays. And so what that would do was he would completely leave his defender there or his offensive player. He would step up to stop middle drive. Well, that leaves his guy very vulnerable. Well, typically you're going to have a guy on the corner. And what we do is we call that a cover down. I mean, very basic terminology. It's help the helper. So our help is coming from the back line. Our help is going to be the biggest – widest, best position defender to stop the ball from getting to the rim. 
And we want him to go as high as he can, chest to chest, uh, high hand. And, and ultimately, ultimately, we want him to force the pass out. Now, a lot of times, I mean, you saw Texas Tech, very, very skilled, higher level basketball. Most of the time, they're forcing uh, dribble up, contested mid-range shots. But in a perfect world, we actually, we would, man, we'd like him to pass it out because we've got cover downs. We've got help the helpers who would ideally dispossess that ball. They would create turnovers off those steals. But if we're not getting a steal, the next best thing we can get is a contested mid-range two-point shot from the opponent. Gotcha. So I've got a few more questions for you. I really appreciate your time. I was just wondering, how does this philosophy translate to baseline inbounds plays? Do you, are, are you doing the same kind of principles there? We are. We try to, st- we try to stay in tight on, on inbounds plays, and this is not something from anything that I've seen from colleges or anything like that. We just know we don't want them to catch it in the paint. We don't want to catch it both side corner. And so we really kind of overload those two particular sides. Uh, you know, if they're skilled enough to, to, to run some, some really creative stuff on the baseline, that just becomes an adjustment. Uh, most of the times those can be scout. Uh, you, you kind of find patterns in what they're running. So from baseline out of bounds plays, we don't, we don't honestly, we, we just don't put a lot of emphasis on those because I think I broke down two, the last two consecutive years, and I think there was about 4% of the game happens on baseline out-of-bounds plays for us, for us personally. Um, and so I always tell our guys we want to win the 95. We want to win 95% of the game that the game is actually happening. But, again, we want to disrupt. As soon as the ball's inbounded, we want to continue to get it on the side, keep it on the side, no middle drives, force it into uh, very, very difficult shots. So, you know, we were talking about some of the conceptual uh, offenses that guests that I've had on and, you know, they're like, hey, we're going to spend the majority of our practices in uh, offensive mode. We'll throw some defense out there and stuff like that. What about for you? I mean, what does this breakdown look like? And then what are you guys doing in practice to, to get the kids to understand the concepts that you want them to, to understand? Or to run. So it, it really works out well for us because, like I said, we've got really two different styles of play, and I say that. We've got one style of play, and we've got a change-up pitch, right? We've got a secondary pitch that we'll play. And so when we're, when we're doing our build-up drills, and most of, the, most of our practice time is in, in, in small-sided, like we're three-on-three, three, we're four-on-four, four. we've got uh, strategic starts where we're giving offense an advantage, defense is trailing in, whatever. We want to put our guys in a position offensively and defensively to just be able to play basketball, right? Like if somebody would have taken me through a year of marriage before I married my wife, holy cow, like I'd be a great husband. I mean, just knowing what to expect. It's, it's like you can get an education degree. You can even student teach. But as soon as you get into that first, first year classroom, it's completely different. And so we try to simulate as much chaos in a game uh, in practice that you will see in a game. We want our, our practices to be fast so that the games slow down. We don't ever throw a defense out there and say, just just play. Like when we get out there, we want to play against pressure. And uh, when we throw them out there, if they're in our zone or if they're, they're in a more conservative style, a preventative style of basketball, we tell them to do that. You know, don't give up any lates. There's no paint touches here. It's really become really, really helpful for us both offensively and defensively. You know, our guys are now back, back cutting. 
when defenders lose vision of them. Uh, you know, we've never been great at second cuts, but I think because of the way that we have started working in some of our defense and those guys are getting up there and they want to force back cuts. They want to force guys catching the ball away from the basket, right? Like we, that's what we want to do in a pressure mentality. It's forcing our offense to do what? To, to fight for their feet to get squared on every catch, you know, and to, to see and be cognitively aware of where the basketball is. When you make your defense simple, hey, we're going to switch everything, it really challenges the offense to, to get better. I mean, to get better every day or you're just going to get frustrated and pissed off about, man, with this defense, I mean, coach, you know, let us go against a JV or something like that. And uh, it's been really good for us um, just being able to go and say, hey, we're you're in our pressure man, and we're running that, and our guys just do it. You know, we don't say, well, you're in this defense, or you're going to simulate this. Uh, we'll have some scouts on, and we get into conference schedules, district schedules. We play Tuesday, Friday nights, and so on. About the last ten minutes, we'll we'll go. Okay, we're going to see this one three one. Okay, hey, we're going to see this two three zone, and so we'll spend about ten minutes on it. But again, it flows really, really easily into our offensive philosophies. But our defense, there's without a doubt, the way that we play defense has made our offense uh, much, much better. Yeah, can you kind of speak to that just a little bit more? You have hit on it a little bit, but looking at your program holistically, what influence has this had, your defense, on, on what you do offensively and then vice versa? You know, one of my – and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of – give some background there. One of the guys that I truly admire more maybe than anybody else in the, the collegiate ranks is Mike Neighbors up at uh, the University of Arkansas, was at Washington. Uh, last four years, you spoke it in the intro, last four years I was living in Springdale, Arkansas, Fayetteville, Arkansas, right there where the university was. And so I was able to get in and get into some of Neighbors practices. And I, again, those are women, you know, that's a women's team. But, man, some of the stuff he does, his quick strike drill and just what he believes in transition and the numbers that he that backs it, you know, the, the his points per possession in the first so many seconds of the shot clock and what he's doing, really, really good stuff. Now, defensively, he's not a pressure guy. I mean, he is more of a pack line. I mean, he's, he's that guy. And so <laughs> I go back to the Zoom call that I hosted early in the quarantine Mike Neighbors was on the call. I mean, and it was really cool. I mean, just kind of one of those, you know, wow. It's like getting your little kid getting an autograph of your favorite player. He was in attendance because, again, you're trying to merge pack line and pressure and, and the inevitable bulletproof defense that we all desire. But Mike Neighbors is a big believer in pushing the ball, but he's also a big believer in taking care of, of your end of the basket. He's one of the few guys, maybe the only one, that I really believe – walks the walk and talks the talk uh, about pushing the ball, but then his defense almost doesn't connect. And I know he's spoke at a lot of the state basketball conventions and clinics, but they're not, you know, they don't, it's almost like they don't coexist. And I think when you have a shot clock like they do at that level, it, it's a little bit easier. For us personally, we want there to be no disconnect. Like we want to pressure you into a turnover and then we want to run. We want to pressure you into a bad shot. We want to hit that backside block out. We want to get it, we want to outlet, and we want to go. And uh, I think holistically, we want, we want everything to be connected, right? Like we want to be fast, we want to be free, we want our guys to have a great understanding of what we're doing so that there's not a lot of decision-making. We want to eliminate all the uncertainty of play. We get into a count method offensively. 
you got a one-count open shot, shoot it. you got a two-count drive, drive. You can't drive and beat your man. Three-count, you got to get rid of it. And so we try to eliminate just the – the uh, the recreational dribbling right or the the uh, just the reckless driving into the paint you're driving in and shooting on two or three guys and so we want to eliminate a lot of the the decision making a lot of the bad bad decisions just because kids are not aware of what they need to do and don't have parameters around them to actually be free in a style of play and so holistically I, I I think the world of Mike Neighbors and he does a fantastic job. He's got the Arkansas Ladybacks going in the right direction. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but he really is. He's one of the few that I've seen that can truly push pace at a, he calls it functionally fast speed, and then be able to play a, a containment style of defense. I really, really admire it. For us personally, we like to, man, if we're going to attack you on offense, we want to attack you on defense. Like we want you in the fourth quarter to be dogging it, and that's when we make our run. That's really how we want to play. I, I lied. I got one more question for you. It's more uh, <laughs> explanation a little bit because I thought it was a pretty neat post or pretty interesting post is that defense, it's basketball. It's not soccer, so you're going to give up some baskets. And so your post the other day was about like, okay, when you give up that basket, this is what you should do. So can you explain that a little bit? And then I'll let you go. You know, and that, and that was kind of a – that Twitter post was really not for necessarily the basketball junkies out there. It was more for our kids. And, and again, it was one of those things – I don't know if Frank Martin or, or Beard's talking about that in his player meetings, but I literally froze frame – freeze-framed that particular shot after it was a good contest on that shot, kid hits a three-point shot, and it's like, okay, are you going to pout or are you going to punch back? And I don't know if they're using the word pout at the collegiate level, but for us, <laughs> our kids can really get, I mean, just demoralized if they fought their tails off, they've, they've done everything right. And like you said, it's not soccer. Like, it, we're not winning games two to zero. Like, we're playing games in the 70s and 80s. And so you, you do everything right. Kid still makes the basket. What do you do? You immediately get into your offense. Like there's no second thoughts. There's no decisions. Again, you eliminate that. Who's our designated inbounder? Who are we inbounding to? What's our progression and transition? And uh, we do. We do a, a, a almost a countdown of all of our drills. So if we're going to half court drill, the way that we instill this, let's say you're doing your three on three, your Memphis closeout shell drill. If offense scores, defense, and we're tallying it in practice, let's say they hit a three, it'll be 3-0. Well, we give points to the offense or the defense if they will inbound the ball and get it up the floor and there the ball is inside the paint in four seconds. So once that ball goes to the rim and our half-court shell drills, we're going four, three, two. I've got a coach on the sideline that is designated to, to yell it out. And so what's that doing? It's be becoming an automated response a James Clear, you know, atomic habits mentality of, Hey, it's not a goal. It's a, it's you're just creating habits. You're creating habits. You're creating habits. And when you hit that automated response, that's, that's where you get the, 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 the positive feedback from your kids, the positive responses from your kids. And uh, we do, we have, we have to fight that. We have to fight the powder punch back mentality a lot uh, because our kid, they just, Man, whose man was that? Who, who who had a defensive breakdown? And so we really do. We say, you know what? Control what you can control. That's the next possession. All right, Coach. Well, I really appreciate your time. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I'm probably going to reach out to you again down the road. 
because I know that you've got some great stuff, especially on the offensive end. So thanks again, coach. Hey, you bet. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Small Sided Pod, a development series that's part of the Idaho Basketball Coaching Podcast. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Just look for Coaching Idaho. 